0: The B.S. Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The B.S. Report. The B.S. Report with Bill
1: Simmons. Welcome to the B.S. Report, taping this on a sunny Wednesday morning here in Southern California. Not sunny if you're a Clippers fan. Uh, to nobody's real surprise, the Clippers um, self-destructed uh, in a referee-induced haze of... of. Uh, of dumb plays and bad calls and whining and complaining and bitching. And it was kind of how I thought the Clipper season might end. And it actually happened. And I actually emailed our guest. I texted him. No, I emailed him right before the game. I saw Bill Kennedy and I saw Scott Foster. as two of the refs. And I emailed, I, I emailed Horale Bob vulgaris is on the phone right now. Uh, a renowned basketball gambler, a great Twitter follower and uh, a frequent guest on this podcast. And I emailed him and I said, "Uh Oh, do you see the refs? We could be headed for a special night, and we were. What you were sitting courtside? What was your reaction?
0: It was weird. Um, so I don't actually. I mean i I think Bill Kennedy is like a, a decent ref. I think Foster is like whatever. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really think it was. I didn't really get the idea that it didn't really occur to me until like a couple of minutes into the game that I forgot that Bill Kennedy actually hates Doc Rivers. Yeah, and that's so, a problem. Yeah. And so um when you emailed me I thought you were just talking about just in general those guys being terrible refs. And um and then I and then I and then I thought about it and I was like, wow, this could be really bad for the cliffs because you know, Doc's just a, Doc's a whiner to begin with. And him and Kennedy have history. There's the time when uh he got teed up for the two of them getting to some kind of altercation during a game before a little bit after that, if you kinda of track Celtics games when Bill Kennedy was officiating, the Celtics basically had no shot of winning those games. I think what happened since then is, is the beast kind of went away in the sense that I don't think it went away in where Bill Kennedy actually now likes Doc Rivers. I think it went away in the sense that he realized he couldn't be so blatant about it because he was probably getting reprimanded by the league for not giving Doc a fair whistle. It. Uh, but it, it definitely, it definitely came back last night.
1: It was, it was, uh, um, as that yeah. Rich Levine, a, a old friend of mine from Boston, tweeted, they had rekindled the fire last night. Whatever fire they had burning between them, it was rekindled like two old flames. Yeah, it this is weird. a six year thing, right?
0: Yeah, it was weird because the whole game was kind of a blur. When you sit, when when you when I'm at a game, anyways, I don't actually pick up as much about the actual flow of the game or how the game is going as I do when I'm watching it at home on TV with my computer and I'm going back and rewinding and then I'm, I'm looking at perhaps as the game's going on. When you're just sitting there, the game just kinda of goes by in a blur. But you do pick up all of the stuff that happens after the whistle blows the commercial breaks. There was actually a point in the third quarter where Doc and Bill Kennedy actually had like a friendly, like, hey, like like they were smiling and Doc even patted him on the back where but it was funny, like I it didn't it, it didn't look like Bill Kennedy was kind of feeling it as much as Doc was. Doc was kind of like, Oh yeah, you missed the call. He's like, Yeah, I missed the call, no big deal, whatever. But what really kind of set that game off was the young ref, uh, who I've never seen a referee uh, when I've been to a game live, who'd been more, who was more flustered during a game than that ref was. Uh, he messed right. up the goaltending call in the second quarter, I believe, where he called Matt Barnes for an offensive goaltend, and he messed up that call. Then had to watch it during the commercial break uh, on the on the scoreboard when they did the um, when they were they reviewed all the plays, and he saw it up there, and I actually saw him mouth the word "my bad" to the other referee. And then he pulled out a right. handkerchief. He was constantly constantly wiping the sweat off his face the entire the entire game. And the crowd was 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 on him all night. There were some real lunatics sitting behind me who were I don't know how they actually managed to stay in, the, in, in how they didn't get kicked out, but they were just on the rest the entire night. And it kind of felt like what happened was uh he was trying to re he was trying to kind of make up for a while he was trying to make up for that bad call subconscious. He made a lot of calls favoring the clippers for a while. And then Scott Foster was kind of trying to balance the fact that Kennedy was calling all the calls against the Clippers. (laughs) This guy was calling calls for a period of time, favoring the Clippers. And then Foster was just like randomly calling like illegal defenses and and offensive three-second violations at weird points in the game. It was a weird game. I don't know. I don't really know how I kind of rambled there for a bit, but it it was a weird game.
1: Yeah, for sure. Bill Kennedy and Doc. They they had the only incident I remember, and I think it was two thousand nine, where it got so contentious that both guys got fined by the league. Yeah, the ref just got as a money. Celtics fan, yeah, both of them got fined, and yeah. after that, as a Celtics fan, you just never wanted to see Bill Kennedy. There was just real contempt between the two guys. There was always a rumor Doc said something that crossed the line and whatever. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yesterday, you could, I love because I sit on the side where the benches are, and. Okay. You know, the coaches come to midcourt. I'm near midcourt. I'm in the fourth row. Sometimes I can hear it. Sometimes I can read the lips. And it's fascinating to watch how the coaches interact with the refs. Sometimes they try to be friendly. Sometimes they alternate between friendly and disappointed, friendly and angry. Like Popovich probably runs the gamut as well as anyone, where sometimes he's your friend. Other times he's just really hurt that you called it that way. Um, And and they all have their own relationships with the refs. Kennedy and Doc – at one point, I even tweeted this at, at in the moment, like Docs just yelling and yelling like always, and Kennedy just turned, he held his hand up, and he was like, stop "That's it. enough, stop, stop it. it." Yeah, yeah, I just saw that. Just with his hand up, and he was just like, he's he just had it, yeah. and it had gotten that. This was the third quarter, and then a little bit later, I tweeted this too. Um, Kennedy made a call. Blake stared him down in just disgust and disbelief, and turned and just hawked this giant loogie on the court. And, can, and first of all, I, I never—I've been going to games for forty years. I—I've I, seen guys casually kind of spit a little bit. I've never seen somebody like just disgustedly hawk a loogie. And then yeah. Kennedy, for a second, was like, "Should I tee this? What should I do?" And then Blake kind of quickly realized he shouldn't have done it, so he went over and kind of stepped on it to unwet it, kind of. And then Kennedy's yeah. like, sagged his shoulders, calls the ball boy over. The ball boy runs and wipes it up. And I'm thinking, like, wow. The Clippers have created new ways to antagonize refs. This is a team that every ref hates officiating because they bitch about every single call, no matter what it is, and the refs are tired of it, and now spitting is now the new frontier for the Clippers. It's just so, crazy, and it all led to what happened last night. Yeah,
0: so there was another referee who, who I'm not going to name him because I don't know why, but I just don't want to, who wasn't not Kennedy, not another ref, but when I was initially doing some of the stuff that I was doing right, where, where we... We were just looking for referee biases or referees that were. I was actually looking for referees who might may or may not be crooked, and one referee yeah. just like came out and it stuck out like a sore thumb. I mean, he had like these big discrepancies in games, or he's favoring one team versus another. And I was like, "Wow, this guy's crooked for sure." But then I took a closer look, and I saw all those games were either were, were favoring teams playing the Clippers or the Celtics, and so it wasn't so much that he was a crooked referee trying to bet on games. He just didn't ever want to give. Doc Rivers' fair whistle—it's funny—and um, so that referee. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh wow!" And I wonder if the league knows about that stuff when they, because there's just so much stuff to look at. And obviously, when you have the situation where Kennedy and Doc got his whistle so bad that both of them got fined, that's something that will stick out, and the league will probably reprimand the ref. Hey, look at his games a little closer when he's officiating Doc Rivers' games, and look, yeah, but you know, what is this call? Why would you make that call? But when it's not a public thing, where it's just like a quiet beat, I think those kind of slip under the radar a little bit more.
1: But I totally it, agree. Like Danny Crawford and the Mavericks was another good one. I don't know what the genesis of that was, but at probably. some point, even if it was unconscious, well, he it was, was definitely not something. unconscious.
0: No, it, okay. I mean that was back around the time where Cuban was saying how the referees couldn't manage a Dairy Queen, then he had to go work at a Dairy Queen for a day for public, for, public, for, for as a public relations thing. So that was back then Cuban was you know was a, was a lunatic to the referees i mean you yes. see him on the court he was getting fined repeatedly and there was just some of the old line refs who just hated him and didn't want him to win and were willing to be as unfair as possible against his team because they hated him and that was a real phenomenon that wasn't i mean that was during the playoffs where i think for a stretch I, the, the, the mavs didn't win like 9-8 or 9-Danny Crawford ref games uh, in a row, and that's key too because he's the crew chief. He's not just one of the three officials, but he's the crew chief, and and Wait. the other referees kind of take the lead of the crew chief. So that's a big deal.
1: It was worse than that. I thought it was like at one point, wasn't it? Like they were one in sixteen during something like that. Yeah, it was like nine something in a row. Crazy. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was like eight or nine in a row, and then like some some ridiculous number. And until someone wrote an article about it, it never really got corrected. Then it got corrected after the article came out. But it's wild to me that a referee like that, by the way, he's like the ref- he's like the NBA's number one referee in some ways. I guess Foster's kinda of right. taken over that. But it's wild to me that when there's a game seven you can be sure that Danny Crawford's can officiate the game and he's a referee who basically just wasn't random, uh was 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 was, was crooked toward towards one particular team or one particular owner for a, for a period of time. It is right. odd. It is interesting, but the game itself was more interesting. The referee referee stuff was interesting. The game itself was first went to a two three zone at some point. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, they did that in the second quarter.
1: It saved the game.
0: It did it. It was. I thought they would go back to it a little bit in the fourth quarter, but they didn't, or at least for like a stretch. Um, but yeah, it was a. That was there probably was... one of the more exciting playoff games I've been to. That wasn't. Uh, that was just like a game that I had no expectations for excitement.
1: It was twenty seven to thirteen, Clippers leading, and I was sitting with Mike Tollin, who I share my seats with, and both of us were like, "Wow, like this point of the game right here, this could be a blowout. We could be driving home with six minutes left in the fourth quarter." Like it had that feel of just like a one twenty to eighty two type of game, and then the Clippers bench started to come in. They go to the two three zone. Manu's making a couple plays. Spurs are climbing. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, they did it again. They somehow yeah. figured out how to stave it off. But just quickly, about talking about officiating, I, and I think this is really important for people to understand because I watched it happen to Antoine Walker when I was going to a ton of Celtic games in the late 90s. I don't, I don't even totally blame the refs for this because I think, first of all, when somebody's bitching all the time, when somebody's treating you with the lack of respect – and in Antoine's case, he was somebody that would never learn to ref's name. He just called him ref ref or number eight, <laughs> you know, and it's like, they hate that. They don't want to feel like they're like working behind the counter at Starbucks. Like they want to have relationships with these people. And he, he just treated them in such a undignified way that he never got calls. And yeah. I would watch it. And I'd be like, they're not biased against him, They didn't bet against the Celtics. They just don't like him. They don't want to yeah. reward him. He's always pretending he got fouled or whatever, and they don't trust his his take on things. And I do think that's happened in the Clippers to some degree. They're always pretending they got fouled. They didn't commit the foul. It's histrionics after every single play. Meanwhile, if you actually go to the games, Chris Powell, what does he commit, 20 fouls a game? We yeah. even saw it on the second Danny Green's missed free throw. He's holding Danny Green's arm backwards, call it Kelly yeah. Olenek style, and they don't call it. But um, I just think when you're bitching all the time, at some point, you become the boy who cried wolf, and these refs don't trust the Clippers. They don't trust what they're seeing with the Clippers because they don't know if they're full of shit or not. You know? Do you agree with
0: think, that? Yeah, I think that's. I think you you brought up Antoine. The other guy you always bring up is Bonzi Wells, was like the one that I really saw. The refs hated, and he never got a fair whistle because of it because he was probably a, a horrible. <laughs> I mean, probably, it was pretty horrible after the refs. Yeah. And then of course, DeMarcus Cousins is the, is the the new version. We're up until he just never got any calls either. And it became a situation where he would whine and complain. The rest don't like players like that, obviously. I mean, how do you like someone who's basically yelling at you and screaming at you all game? The part that I find interesting, though, and I actually very rarely say anything about a game. Every once in a while, I'll say something. During game one that I went to, I yelled at Boris Dio to get back because it was a free throw and Blake Griffin was over all by himself and no one on the Spurs noticed it. And I was. For the Spurs. I was like, yo, yo, Boris, get back. And because I was sitting courtside, he looked over and saw that. Like, so I rarely ever say anything during a game. But I did actually sit tell, I actually just was like, I sent the doc, stop whining and coach. Because I was watching the game yeah. and he called a timeout and it was, I think it was like a minute left or something. And he spent the entire time out yelling at the ref. Not even like, not even trying to get anything, but it was just yelling. It's like, dude, you're the coach of the team. Like, call uh, the other coach is over there telling his players what adjustments to make, what things to look for, what plays you're going to run. And he's over there just barking at the referees. And there was a quote in the newspaper today or some article somewhere where he said, you know me, I don't really like the line. <laughs> oh, quote. It
1: was the funniest.
0: Yeah, And I just looked at that and I was just like, wow, he really has no idea how he's perceived. And it's, he has no percep- perception of himself. And a lot of people, I mean, everyone suffers from that to some degree. But it was just, it was so crazy to me that he had no idea that he completely lost sight at some point in the game. And it's tough, too, if you're trying to coach a game and you're getting slighted by a referee, you feel like you're, whether it's real or not, whether it's accurate or not, I think it can be tough to, to separate that. But it was, I've, it was, yeah, go ahead.
1: I, I've just, I've had trouble going to the games this year. You know, my interest, I don't care who wins the Spurs clippers series, I mean, other than maybe some gambling reasons, but. Ultimately like I have Clipper season tickets. I should want them to keep going so I could go to finals games, you know, like that should be my number one goal in any Clipper series. And they they've just become so dislikable to wa unlikable to watch game to game, quarter to quarter, <laughs> series to series with the bitching and the whining and the culture of whining and what's been frustrating this year, I really like Clipper fans, like they're just beaten down dogs who just have had no nothing really good to hold on to at all these last 35 years or however long it's been um until chris paul showed up and all this and you you want to root for that right it's like oh man this is nice they finally have a good team they get to go to playoff games doc has created this culture of bitching whining complaining that now it's trickled into the stands the clippers fans bitch about calls more than any crowd I've ever sat in my entire <laughs> life. All they do is complain and go crazy. It's like, what happened to these sweet little innocent fans who would have killed to have a five hundred season. Now they're sitting there like losing their minds, play after play after play. Like these fans didn't think DeAndre goaltended that last shot. Yeah, it's, it's like, absurd. Are you kidding me? Like just watching with the naked eye, there's no question he touched it. It was in the cylinder. Dunk all the Spurs reacted immediately like he touched it. Like there was no argument. He touched it.
0: I was and the bearer just... of bad news in my in my little area for that one because they all thought he scored. And I looked over to the, you know, I'm sitting next to my girlfriend and one seat over, the lady's going crazy because I was, and I, I just said, that's not a basket, he goaltended. She's like, what? And then everyone's like, what? Right. And some are dancing. So it was, it was yeah, it was obvious to me it was a goaltend too. I, when I saw, I mean, it wasn't obvious when I saw it, but it was obvious when I saw the referee like blow the whistle, but I don't think people saw the referee blow the whistle and call the goaltending. The, um... Yeah, the fans were. The fans are. The front row stuff is great because there's some people in the front row who spent the entire spent the entire game cursing at Pop for, for for hacking DJ or cursing at the referees. Hey, and it was it was it was actually it was it was really fun. Someone should have a have a camera on the on, on the guys in the front row for the Clippers because and the, the row behind me they were absolutely insane. Losing. I'm with you. I had no I had no root in the series either. I want to go to more games, but if I really want to go to a game, I can go to the game in Golden State right fly somewhere to go to a game it's not a big deal i'm not really in la all that much as it is anyways but i had bet the spurs and um in every game for the first four games and won two and lost two and then i just i after watching game four i couldn't bring myself to bet the spurs today i thought the game was a complete coin flip i was there's no i don't and i'm not a degenerate i don't need to bet on the game and my girlfriend said like, who do we cheer for i don't and i was like well i don't know i don't really care we don't really have a bet. we can cheer for whoever we want because game two she was forced to cheer for the Clippers for the Spurs. And um she's like, Well I don't want to cheer for the Clippers. They whine too much I'm gonna cheer for the Spurs. Yeah. And it was kind of funny because I was like, Yeah, let's cheer for the Spurs and I like I just like Spurs. I, I think a Spurs Rockets matchup will be will be a lot more fun to watch than uh than a Clippers Rockets matchup where there'll be a ton of fouls and there'll be a ton of complaining the entire game. Although I guess Spurs Rockets matchup will probably result in a lot of hacka
1: which might not be that much fun yeah, to watch. Yeah, that's not great. But um, I found myself rooting for... I just have so much respect for the Spurs. And, you know, Pete, I had a couple of Clipper fans today, and even Wilbon, I was texting back and forth. with, And, and you know, the, the people are saying, man, if DeAndre doesn't touch that ball, the Clips win. They're up 3-2. Like, how can people say blah, blah, blah? And it's like, look, this is a series where you have teams that are just dead even. And it comes down to little things. It comes down to... Tim Duncan doesn't tip that ball if it's in the cylinder. It just goes in. DeAndre tipped it in. Um, Blake Griffin really choked with those two free throws, which you and I were emailing about this morning, which they got to get at a jail free card because somehow they got the rebound. Um, The technical foul Chris got with four minutes left, I still haven't gotten a great explanation for. He whipped um, the ball
0: at the referee. It was so crazy, but it wasn't anything. I don't understand why that was. But that was the referee who completely lost it after. He was overwhelmed. I mean, I think Sivan's a good ref, but he was completely overwhelmed. I saw him looking at the – I mean, a lot of times the refs will look up at the replay because of the, cause the Clippers now show every – they never used to show any replays at all. But in the last three years, all. they start – now they show all the call replays up on the – and when you're sitting courtside, now they have the camera or they have the TV thing or whatever, the little monitor in between the scoreboard. Like, it, there's a projector in between the scoreboard so you can see – before, you couldn't see anything when you're sitting courtside. Um and so, and so the refs now are watching him too. And he was looking up at everything and he was, you know, he would, he said my bad after the goal, the goal 10 was terrible. The first right. goal 10 that he called. And ever since then, he was just completely lost. To the point where, where Foster was calling fouls two and three positions over that where he wasn't in position to make calls. There was one call, I want right. to go back to was there was one call where Tivin made the call and Foster overruled him. And Foster made the correct call and Tivin had a bad call. Uh... Yeah, it's a shame we're spending so much time talking about the officiating cuz that was a great game. Yeah, but
1: listen. But but it's it's really about the basketball teams because when you have a poorly officiated game like that, it comes yep. down to who's going to keep their poise, who's not going to let the bad officiating affect them, who's going to keep doing the little things, who's going to execute, who's going to get that second rebound like that there was like 4 minutes left, they they got a great Double offensive rebound, basically. And Duncan, who really doesn't show that much emotion during games, he's just an even keel. He yeah. was running back to half court. He was so fired up. He did this leaping fist pump. And I, and I just love Tim Duncan. I really do. I, I just, I've been watching this guy now since I was bartending. Before I, I think even the year he came in the league was the year I got my sports column. Um, and it's just hard not to root for somebody who's been around for that long who still really gives a sh? you know? He gets yanked with... They took him out with, what, eight, seven seconds left or four seconds left and they're shooting the free throws? And I was getting the Game 6 2013 flashbacks, like, oh, God, they're taking Duncan out. Oh, no. Duncan comes off with a big smile on his face, and then Green gets that rebound because Austin Rivers forgot to box out, which is another example of the little things. Yeah, and Duncan's just walking on the sidelines with both fists pumped and just... The guy just loves winning. He really... I, if you think, like, who would you have wanted to play with if you were a basketball player the last 20 years? He's got to be the first pick. He would just would have been the best teammate, you know?
0: I, I think also it, it, it's kind of what you talked about before, with the two teams. It's hard not to focus on the officiating because the two teams are so evenly matched. But at the end of the day, the little differences can also just be the officiating. When you have two teams yeah. that where it's, the series is a basically a coin flip, they could probably play 20 games, although I think, Clippers or the Spurs would make more adjustments as the series goes on to where it wouldn't be quite nearly as coin flip as it would be uh, at the start. Just just because Pop is probably, not probably is a better coach at that sort of thing, uh, making adjustments in series and all that other stuff. But yeah, the officiating was a factor. The, the,
1: the, the clips still get a little tight in these last few minutes. You can see it if you're there. You can tell which guys are nervous and which guys want it and for you know, Chris I think is the one guy who's just not afraid. I know he's had a checkered crunch time history, but I never feel like he's afraid. Right. And the Spurs just every no guy on that team is afraid. They just trust the infrastructure. And if they're out there, they're gonna come through. They trust what what they're in. The Clippers still have a feeling like uh, we're tiptoeing along. Like Blake's unstoppable. Blake should score forty points a game in this series. This should be two thousand five Amari all over again. They have no answer for him. Athletically, he's at another plane than every big man that the Spurs have. And yet, in the last five minutes, he gets tentative. He just does. You can see it.
0: Yeah, you, know? you can definitely see. It. I, I I I could see it when he was shooting the free throws at the end of the game. And I also also anyone who saw game two saw him just pass the ball away for no reason, just turn it over. He is very tight in these games. I don't want to call him a choker. I,
1: no, it's, it's just he's young. Just, I don't, he yeah, hasn't played in a lot married. of games.
0: And it, it comes with, I think it, it comes with experience and it's tough. He doesn't, it's tough for him because he doesn't really, the way he's getting the ball in those types of situations where, I mean, I don't think he trusts his outside. First of all, you know, if you're going to take an outside jumper, you'd rather have Chris Paul take the outside jumper anyway. But I think Going into the paint, it's a lot tougher at the end of games because they allow more contact. He may or may not get the whistle. And then when he gets the whistle, he doesn't look like he's too. He looks like someone who's got a really smooth free throw stroke. He was really, really – he shot – to shoot both those free throws short. You could see that nerd for sure. That's that's not – I mean, it wasn't because he hurt his elbow or whatever on one of the previous plays. He just looked tight when he shot the free throws. Uh, Yeah, it was – I'm with you with the Spurs. I I, I like – you like training for Tim Duncan. For me, it's Kawhi. I love watching Kawhi play. Oh. Uh, I was shocked he didn't come in until about the five or six minute mark of the fourth quarter. I kept on wondering when is Pop going to bring him back in. When is, I thought he sat him for a little bit too long. Um, I felt like he sat for but he might have been fatigued. He might have been tired. Pop probably had a better idea of that.
1: I love, I just love Duncan. I, I just love everything about him and the fundamentals and what an awesome teammate he is. Kawhi in person is so much better than Kawhi on TV. I, I just... I was there for the whole Pippen thing. I was going to games when he was in his prime, and he's definitely on that level athletically. The, the one thing that I think he needs to get better at, at, and he will, is he needs to just trust himself. Like still t- I think he could have beaten Matt. When they give him the ball at the top of the key, and it's designed basically for him to go one-on-one with Matt Barnes or whoever's guarding him, he, can, he gets the first step. He gets by those guys every time. He doesn't trust himself yet to kind of bounce off the guys, get in traffic, be a scorer. He'll. St- you'll still see him like he'll just get rid of the ball. And when he finally learns that I have huge hands and I'm probably the best athlete in the league other than LeBron and maybe Blake, and I just need to trust the entire package that God gave me, I think he's going to be a 25-point-a-game guy. I don't think he trusts himself yet. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, he's also only 23, right? So that's part yeah. of it. And then the system they play is, is such that he's really the only person who's allowed to have the ball for more than three or four seconds without being, you know, the Spurs have the thing where if you have the ball for more than two seconds and you're not passing, uh, driving, or shooting, you have to you have to pass. So he's the only guy who can actually hold the ball, it seems that they allow him where it doesn't feel like it's taking. You know, Parker's driving. All the other guys are driving and moving. But he can actually stand there for two seconds, and do his post-ups and do his do his thing, and, and and they don't mind it. They allow that for him. But it's, it's tough for him to score a lot of points because their their offense is predicated on ball movement, and then right. also he just doesn't play very many minutes. There's another really subtle thing that happened in that game that I thought was was pretty cool, and was something I was calling for for a long time, was uh, Danny Green started picking up pull, all full court again, yeah, uh, in the second half, and. So there was a point where Paul just scored, he scored like three or four baskets in a row, or three or four baskets out of, you know, maybe a three minute stretch. I'm not sure exactly if it was in a row or not. And then he started getting the pressure all over, everywhere. And they also started running multiple screens at him on the other end where he would get screened by Duncan, then you get screened again by Splitter, then you get, he was just, they were just like smacking on him all game. Yeah. And and you could actually see him. I could see him physically get fatigued. He was pulling on his shorts during the stoppages. He was, he was, you know, he was sucking air. And then that's when he actually stopped attacking the basket on offense too. And I thought that was a little hidden thing that 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 really changed the game for, for the Spurs. It just that, that little the constant wearing. I was surprised they didn't do it more. They I thought we'd see Joseph guard him. Not because he's a great half court guard, or double he is. So just because he can pick them up full court and he can fatigue them more, I think the one thing they are a little bit worried about when they do that, when they pick him up full court, is that Paul can get right by him to get a layup, which did happen one of the times that Green was picking him up full court. Paul blew right by him and just got a layup right afterwards. But I think that's a good trade-off. If you know if that happens, it's not the end of the world, especially if come come later in the game when when the Clippers don't have any go-to guys aside from Chris Paul. I mean, who else is going to create anything on that team? Nobody's going to create anything.
1: And if you can fatigue him, uh, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, you and I – I mean, we – I think both of us respect Pop as much as just about any co- any NBA coach. As a game coach, he is a little shaky sometimes. Like, I can't believe anytime Austin Rivers brings the ball up, they should be coming at him with two guys. Because Austin Rivers can't dribble. That He should never be allowed to dribble from point A to point B without somebody hounding him and harassing him or whatever. And I agree with you with Chris Paul – like, you make that guy work 94 feet. You have multiple guys you can throw at him. You have all these different point guards. He should never just be dribbling the ball out casually trying to figure out what to do. I think yeah, they ever. Could, they could uh, expand. You know, I was thinking about you because it was right near where your seats were. Kawhi will have these moments in these games, and they last for like three minutes, where it's almost like Pop activates some chip in Kawhi's brain to go like all <laughs> mad and haywire. Yeah. And he starts picking up guys at, at midcourt. And I've compared it to like, it's like a shark where it's like people are swimming and they're just having a good time. And all of a sudden shark Kawhi kind of swims over and they see his fin and they freak out. And he's got these octopus arms that come flying out. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's, they, they just panic. And he did that for about three minutes in that game. And he was even doing it to Chris Paul. And uh, I've just never seen anybody do that where he just at half court, they're just completely destructive and can force the third over. He's amazing. I, I highly recommend seeing Kawhi in person. Is my point, I guess.
0: There's, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to like the future of sports and TV and technology, where you can actually just follow one player for an entire game, the camera fixed on him the entire game. Can you imagine, you know, that's probably like, years and years away. But how cool would yeah. that be, just to have the Kawhi cam, where you're just following him around and just watching him go everywhere. On the court, picking up. I mean, he 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 was you know he shut he shut down Reddick this series. That's something that people haven't really talked about. He hasn't. Really, I mean, he hasn't really. Redick hasn't really gone off the three point line at all in the series, and that's because. And I think the Spurs are, are living with 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 Paul being able to kind of get his a little bit. They're, they haven't put Kawhi on him, but what they did do is at the end of the game they, they put an help that Reddick fouled out, obviously, which is yep. wild. I don't think there's been very many games where JJ Redick has fouled out. That's the other thing Doc did was. He had he had Reddick and Crawford guarding Kawhi in the second half of that game, and it was just unfair. They don't have... When Barnes isn't out there, they don't have anyone who's com- who's comfortable. Who's, I mean, they could put Jones on, but Jones is a complete disaster on offense. But it's just funny, the depth of that team really, the, the lack of depth that the Clippers have and the depth that the Spurs have really is bearing itself out in these games.
1: How um, do you... How do you think Spencer Haas has played?
0: <laughs> it's funny. I can you. I just was amazed that he actually played these guys in the first two games. Turkaloo Haas, his son, and actually, and, and actually thought. I mean, it, it, it's almost as though it, it almost it's almost as though what happened in the first game, in the first three games, kind of a welcome to the fact that these guys aren't good, and all along he was just kind of like, well, these guys are okay. We, I mean, just, I, I was amazed. I thought, I don't know how many minutes he can play as guy. And that's another thing. This series is now in, in the point where it's an every other day series. It's been that way since game two yes. or game three. And that's another big favor that the Spurs have in their favor is just the every other day thing. Well, that, even thought, though they're older, it, it yeah. is a big factor, I think, in
1: some ways. Well, because they have depth. And I thought yesterday at some point in that game, I, and I, I thought of it when at like 11 minutes left, Doc put, Chris and back in for austin rivers and austin rivers actually was pissed off about it which was hilarious on so many levels um but i thought at that moment he's like i have to win this game because in the first half it seemed like he's like hey, i don't want to go all because if we lose i have to win six and seven i don't want to wear these guys out but at some point in the second half he pushed all his chips into the last game into the game five table and then lost and now he's got these guys coming back on two days rest Chris and Blake both have a ton of miles. Just one in this day, right? not even two days rest. Just yeah, one, one day, day rest. rest. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, Um With a travel in between, it's tough, man. When you don't have a bench and you're playing every other day, this was my fear for them. Like, even if they got to the Western Finals, Western Finals is every other day, and you're playing the Warriors who go night deep. Co- who can't is the
0: Western even... Conference Finals every other day? I thought
1: they. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I, it is. I thought
0: they try to like work those on like uh, a Thursday, Sunday type deal where they play but maybe not I don't know. I don't remember. But you're probably right. I think it might be every other day. because they probably do the One Day, of the West the other day so they want a game going every other day. I do I, yeah. I do remember there being some like gap days
1: in there. But it, I think the only yet, way it's not Yeah. The only way it's not is if the if round two ends early and they have to start it early. I think is the only way it doesn't become every other day. But I from what I remember it was every other day. But regardless but you, it's like Yeah,
0: you're probably right. I have no memory either of them. I was just, I was just, when you said it, it kind of shocked me. You're probably right.
1: Regardless, you can't win with seven guys. No. And they have seven guys. They had eight guys in game four because Austin Rivers made the same shots that he's missed for the entire season, and he went seven for eight. And it was like, oh, Austin Rivers. It's like, all right, let's see if those go in in game five. They don't. Yeah. Um, but they have a seven-man team, and in in a crazy turn of events, one of those seven guys is Big Baby Davis. He's played he well. was out of the league. Yeah, he's played really <laughs> – for him, I think pretty well. I think the one thing the Spurs did yesterday, though, is is clear they had some sort of tape session, and they're like, "Look, when he's in the game, go to the basket." Because if you looked at it, man was just going to the basket every time, you saw Big Baby. Yeah, they Big did. Just they did the attacking. Thing.
0: Yeah, they did the thing where they set the pick up high, so Big Baby has to come and show, and then Manu yep. can just go right by him. Which is something that I don't know why they didn't do more of because I would do that every single time. The Clippers have that play that works really well—the the double. The, the horn set where they do the two bigs coming sets, so kind of like an elevator. So two bigs come and set to pick up. And I don't know why they don't run that play more. Um, there's some, there's some, there's some weird stuff. Like I really do feel like when you're at the game, you miss a lot of stuff. Whereas when you're on TV, this is why I really think the feature of coaching is having a guy up in the press box, kind of like in the NFL, who's actually like radioing down. To, yeah, yeah. I was radioing down to the coach and telling the coach what they're missing because even i was just thinking back to the Portland game and the, uh, the other night where Gasol just basically was was being guarded by Myers-Leonard in the fourth. I mean, how Memphis lost that game to me was amazing. It didn't really, no one really talks about it because it's a 3-0 series and no one really cares. It's not a big deal. But they had Myers-Leonard guarding Gasol, and Gasol scored on three straight possessions, got fouled, went to the free throw, and made both free throws. And it was just clear that it was a complete win. And then they decided, well, let's let's run something where we got Cals going to the basket on a few plays they just went away from it and it's interesting me when you see stuff like that happen and the coaches haven't had any time to make any adjustments the opponents don't just in the game and it's almost like the, the coaches try to get too fancy in some ways when something works why well, go away from it the footballes have that play it was working really really well I think the Spurs did make some adjustments in this game um, going into this game that stopped it a little bit they're picking up the, they're picking up Paul a little bit earlier but it's it's, um, yeah, that, I, I don't really know it, how. I don't really know how the Spurs adjusted for that play, but they did, and they took it away a little bit. And that was kind of a, a big factor in the game as well.
1: And that's what I love about a seven-game series: is pretty much ninety-eight times out of a hundred, the right team's going to win because so much of it is about how you adjust as the series goes along and figuring out new wrinkles and new ways to attack. The Spurs have, have figured out all these different things as the series goes along. You see it. The Clippers, it's really hard to figure out stuff because they only have five players that can really do anything offensively. And the one thing they've figured out is if they can just get Blake the ball facing the basket at the foul line, whether it's like a little high screen where they have to switch, they get throw back to him. If he has the ball facing the basket, he can attack the rim athletically. He just can jump over anybody in the Spurs. And they know they have that. But if he's either afraid to shoot the foul line jumper or he's being tentative when he goes to the basket like he was yesterday in the last 5 6 minutes then that's erased. The Spurs know Chris goes right every time. Like yep. they're just they're, they're they're at this point they're just almost facing him sideways when he drives. They're they're just assuming that he's going to go right. And then after that it's like you put Kawhi and Reddick. Now he's out. Now you're having these Jamal Crawford double pump driving jump shots, which sometimes they go in, but you know they kind of run out of options. And I just feels like the Spurs are kind of are squeezing the head a little bit. I know yesterday it came down in just a couple plays, but I also don't think it was an accident that the Spurs won. I really don't. They're up seven with two minutes left; like they they were going to win that game. I feel.
0: like. Yeah, that's another thing that people missed: is they were up seven. It took a lot of happy things for the, that happened for the Clips for them to get back. When I think of a good analogy for me is I don't know if you play Scrabble at all, but when I look at the, the Clippers is like they look down and they just have these tiles. The tiles aren't changing, but they just keep on rearranging them in different. And there's this old Canadian, this old Canadian cartoon called The Big Snitch, and the guy just got like he has all E's, and he spends the whole yeah. time, and he spends the whole time rearranging the E's in a bunch of different. And the, the Clippers don't really have anything else; they have no pieces. They just have a bunch of E's, and they're just reordering them all, or a bunch of vowels, and trying to find a word that works, and nothing's working. Have yeah, that's a great point.
1: To to. Blake is Blake is a Q and Chris Paul is a Z. And they're like, <laughs> I, I should be able to get a 50-pointer with these two. And they're just <laughs> looking at the other pieces. And it's like, damn, I don't have a U. Uh, I don't have anything. It yeah, is crazy, though. That. For them, I think Chris and Blake are two of the best 10 players in the league. I think if we made any list of the best 10, I think they both have to be in it. it, it just for them to not be able to get out of round one. And then last year to not be able to get out of round two. And then now this is four years where they've played together and they've never been to a conference finals. Um, And it's all come down. You just can look at the series and point to this play or this game. Game two, they're up two with the ball with 25 seconds left. Blake's unstoppable, just dribbles it to the other team. Patty Mills comes down, gets fouled, makes both free throws, which people forget that part. Like how many guys on either – on either team in this series, could make both of those free throws, OT, Spurs win. Um, It's just, this is year after year. The Clippers just losing a series, assuming they lose this one, and just saying, man, kicking themselves. It was the ref's fault. Uh, If only DeAndre, if only this, if only this. And it's like, at some point, you kind of are who you are in basketball, right? Yeah. It's not an accident.
0: It's 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 tough because, I mean, we were, we were talking about them as though they've lost the series and they're only down 3-2, but it's going to be, even if, I mean, they're going to have to go all, they're going to, I mean, I guess they could, I guess what happened in game four could happen again where they don't, where they actually just kind of blow them out and they don't, I guess they get their stars from rest, but if it, if it's they have to win a close game in game six and then have to play again game seven, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure there's so much stuff that, it'll be really interesting who the officials are for game six, that's for sure. It's a shame, though. Yeah. Look, at all the, look at all the stuff that, I mean, we're talking about this team like, oh, they can't get out of the first round. They can't get out of the second round. They've never been, Chris Paul's never been in the conference finals. But first of all, it's how unlucky is it that, A, they have this record? And the last night of the season was so crazy where, where spots two through six were completely up in the air, with the exception of Portland being locked in at four. And, yeah. you know, you have, it looked like it was going to be all, all, all that has to happen for the Spurs to finish number two and play the Mavericks. Is they just have to beat New Orleans, and they lose to New Orleans, and then because of that they drop all the way down to six, and the Clippers must just have been sitting there like, wow, we could have been number two, that would have been fun, but we're not. But we also could have just like kind of chilled at the four and five position, where we're now we're playing Portland in the first round, who's basically like a dead man, a dead team, and you're the five seed, but you have home court, so it's like you're the four seed. And the disadvantage is you play Golden State in the next round, but you're going to have to play Golden State anyways. And do you really want to play Golden State after you've had two really really tough series, and now you have to play Golden State? Or would you rather kind of get Golden State out of the way the second time? Um, I'm not sure what the answer is, but it is it is it is interesting that they could have had the Mavericks, or they could have had Portland, they could have had a bunch of different collection of teams in the first round, many of which they would have been a favorite. To beat and probably would have beaten quite handily and instead they got the spurs <laughs> and it's just unfair in some ways but hey life isn't fair it's not fair when bill kennedy shows up the ref your game five at home either i guess that's not fair either but
1: well i mean the spurs could say they had joey crawford in game two and they won that one i mean uh it is. a, a i'd be interested to see how many times a team is happy to see who the other who the three refs are you're yeah, like, oh, it is good. We this is great for us. <laughs> I think it's very uh, rare. I think I think it's very rare. Unless you're unless you're unless you're
0: um I don't think there's that many situations like the Bill Kennedy Doc Rivers. I don't I don't know. I mean there's the other referee who hates Bill who hates Doc Rivers as well. And that, but that guy doesn't usually get playoff time, so it's not that big a deal. Uh you know, but yeah, uh, it is it is thing- interesting.
1: If, one thing about Game 6, you're right. I mean, this series isn't over yet. And I think the reason that clips can be dangerous on the road is Jamal is the X-Factor, right? Jamal can have that game, and you never know when it's coming, where he just puts up 33 in 22 minutes He's or something like that. He's not putting up and 33 th- versus
0: the Spurs when they can just sit Kawhi Leonard on him if he gets
1: caught. No. Well, that, and that's the issue. Is or that Danny Green. You or- plan- they- you, yeah, you wait for them to have... You figure like in a seven-game series, Jamal will have the one Jamal game. That's what he does. But the Spurs are kind of built to prevent that from happening. All right, so now what needs to happen? Well, can Blake put up 40 in a game? Can Chris put up a 35-18? I, I don't know. I just don't see it. And I also think that Spurs crowd, in my opinion, is is the best crowd right now. I watched, I watched them just annihilate Miami in Game 5 in the finals last year. They went for the blood. They smelled it. And they just went for the jugular. And if they smell blood in that game six, they will go for it, and they will take the Clippers out.
0: I think it's. I think it'll be interesting to see how the team responds as well. How much? How much of the? How much of them? How much of the Clippers players feel that they got robbed in the game, or how many of them feel yeah. like, oh, we? You know, I just it'll be interesting to see how they come out as a team if they're just resigned. And I don't. I don't see it happening. But I don't see them. I don't see them just like coming into. San Antonio and laying an egg, but I could see if things don't go there where their way early, now they have to go to their bench and the stretches that they do for like a minute or two because their their starters are just playing so many minutes and they'll come in. I could see it getting out of hand in that in that way, kinda like the way game kinda like the way game three got out of hand. But then again, game four got out of hand too, but it got out of hand the other way. So it's uh I know this series is a club. I don't agree with you know you said ninety eight percent of the time the best team was a seven game series. I don't think it's what would you say I, it is
1: 90 out of 100
0: no i i don't think i think people don't realize how random a game of basketball is and in a situation like this where like this this series or miami Spurs series from not last year but two years ago those i mean those there those types of series do come up and i don't think it's in i mean i think it's a lot less a lot more than people think it is i think it's it could be even in the 25s. The, the I mean, obviously, a, a, goal, a team like Golden State, like a really, really good team. But when you have two teams that are just evenly matched, there is no better team. So in those spots, those those coin, those series are just complete coin flips. I think there's more of those coin flip type series where the teams aren't really that much better. Um, where a where, where, where
1: game series isn't enough. I love when we disagree. I, In my opinion... Basketball. one of the reasons I love it so much is that the right team usually wins and it can even be by infinitesimal decimal points. But I can only remember two NBA finals in the last 40 years where it felt like the wrong team won. And that is 1998. I just think the Pistons were better than the Lakers that year. Okay. Um, and I think in 2013, the Spurs were better than the heat and they should have won the title. and, it was just a chain of events that I just don't think can be recreated. But ultimately, when you play that many times, it just feels like, like the Super Bowl. I don't know how you, – you probably aren't a huge football fan, but the Patriots played six Super Bowls during the Belichick era, right? Only in one of the six were they better than the other team, Philly. That was the one we, we win that game nine out of ten times. The okay. other five Super Bowls, we could have lost five. We could have won five. All of them came down to like two or three plays. I, don't, I feel like most of the time in the NBA, the right team wins, you know? I, Even like, in the finals in this, or do you just mean like any series along the way? Well, I'm just talking about the finals here. But along the way, like last year, Oklahoma City Clippers and the Clippers choked in game five. And you could make a case the Clippers should have been in that series. But after having watched the Clippers for four years with this nucleus, like they have a tendency to self-destruct at the end of games. And that's such a huge part of basketball. Like to me, I don't know how random that is. Sure. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think we're probably so we're,
0: we're 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 probably agreeing on on part of it. Like for my thing is when you have two teams that are evenly matched, they're just evenly matched, and so you have a lot of. I think there are more of those evenly yeah, matched fair. series. Uh, there's more of those even matched evenly matched series than 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 two percent of the time. There's a bunch of them. I mean, look at this year. Uh, if I guess this is one of them, a healthy a healthy Portland team and a healthy Memphis team. I'm not sure. I'm not sure one of those teams is that much more dominant especially with the three-point shot where that's pretty much a random event in some ways. Look at the Spurs shooting all those wide-open threes in game one and game two and even game three. Finally, in game three, they went down, but they missed a ton of, like Danny Green is not the three-point shooter that he has been this playoff. And he's like, he's shooting over 40% this year. He's had multiple seasons where he shot over at a really really high percentage. And so in that sense, Sometimes I think in a four, you know, when a team wins with four to seven games, with a lot of three point shots, it can be random. But yeah, you're probably right. The dominant team is winning more often. There are very few instances of teams being closely evenly matched or even, you know, within 20% of each other. But I think in a seven game series, you can take with coaching, I guess that's part of it, though, too, is the coaching. Totally. But you can have someone just get hot and get run hot from the three point line, and it can happen, especially when teams start figuring stuff out that, As an underdog, you do need to muck up the game a little bit and you do need to take more three-pointers and you do need to do things to increase your variance. And so if if teams play, you know, optimally, you'll see more random results in seven-game series. The question is, what are teams playing optimally? Are are they actually trying to increase their variance in situations where they're underdogs? And that probably hasn't happened nearly as much because most of these coaches are stuck in the Stone Ages
1: in some ways. Well, I'm a a big believer in microcosms coming out and – either biting somebody in the ass or helping them win when it's a when it's one of those either or series. And like two different examples that one is to what you were arguing, one is to what I'm arguing. Two thousand two Kings Lakers. I think most people feel like the Kings should have won that series, right? Like you always say like, oh the Lakers they officially blah blah blah. Everyone forgets the part that it's game seven. It's in Sacramento. The the Lakers are are really on the last legs with that particular team they had. Um, it comes down to a pages Stoyakovic, three in the corner, he's wide open, and he airballs it.
0: Airballed it, yeah.
1: Airballs it. Their whole season came down to pages Stoyakovic, who then airballed a three-pointer, and then in overtime, Doug Christie took a terrible shot. Their whole season came down to two shots taken by pages Stoyakovic really early in his career when he was terrified, and Doug Christie was never a good shooter. And it's like, to me, that says something about that team. Because if you watch that series really clear, carefully, nobody wanted the ball at the end of the games except for Mike Bibby. Chris Webber was freaking terrified. He was had his back to the basket trying to hand the ball off. He didn't want any part of anything. Um, and I think that matters in the big scheme of things. Now, on the flip side, what you were arguing, 2009 Cavs magic. LeBron is at the height of his first apex, right? He's just out of his mind. He's playing great. He has an unbelievable series. I think his stats in the first five games of that series – Rank him on the best in the history of the league. He's like thirty-seven a night and ten assists and twelve re- like just crazy, like he averaged triple double. But Orlando just shot a lot of threes. Dwight was getting rebounds. The variance that you talked about, like they played it and it worked, and they just made a lot of shots and they shot the Cavs out of that series. Now, is that does that mean the wrong team won? Like I don't know. Like as you said, they played the odds to their favor. And in that series, the right team maybe did win, but if they're missing that shots, the Cavs win in five. You know, so I guess, I guess maybe we're both right in a weird way.
0: It, it is, yeah, it is. That, yeah, that, it, yeah. And then people forget. People talk about the Ray Allen three uh, two years ago, but they forget about Kawhi missing the free throw. Yes, and um, yeah, and then as well? Yeah, and so it, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, everyone can. They're the, yeah. I guess when the series are when the series is individually very, very evenly matched. It's, it's kind of a coin flip. But when, obviously, when it's, I, I do agree, like, like the Golden State Warriors aren't going to lose a seven-game series. That's why you've never, really, that's why you've only seen how many, you know, one versus eight. You've seen, like, what, three of them where the eight seed has beat the one seed. There was one, I think, that happened when Derek almost happened or did happen. There was, I think, Miami or something like that. But what was the, there was the, the Mavs beating Golden State. That was a one versus eight where the Mavs were, like, the number one, had the number one record
1: knicks Miami, but there was a strike season. Yeah, that uh, was a lockout season. Kind of a soft eight. There season. was the there was the, the Denver beating Seattle. That was one right five game series, though. Yeah, five I think games. in a five game series, that's probably easier. Yeah, uh, in a five game yeah, for sure. There's been some that's gone to seven, but it's I mean in hockey it happens routinely, you know. And I think in hockey, I'm not even sure home ice advantage matters much. so it's much. Just, yeah. What, what,
0: what do you think? Do you think there will ever be? A, a teams come back from three games to none. It's a separate question, but that's never happened in the NBA. It's well, so crazy. Happen- it happens in hockey like every other year. It
1: seems. It I got to be honest. I, we we're taping this on a Wednesday morning. I got to be honest. Like I'm not ruling the Bucks out in that bull series. I think some stuff has fallen. You know, first of all, they should have won Game Three. They had the ball at the end of regulation, the end of OT, tie game, chance to win. Just botched the possessions. But when you think like. Noah's definitely banged up. Meritich is has never been the same since the Zaja peculiar play. And he, w- he had turned into this really crucial guy for them down the stretch. Um, Gibson looks out of sorts. Like, Tibbs might be burning out that team a little bit. Like, I, the fans are kind of getting nervous. Like, the Bucks are coming together. MCW just played the game of his life. Now they're going to Milwaukee for a game six. The crowd's going to be insane. Yeah. this might be our chance to see an you know 3 team actually actually get to a Game 7 and have a chance, you know? Yeah,
0: that's why I kind of brought it up a little bit. I haven't watched a lot of that series because it's, as far as I'm concerned, that's not even – like the Eastern Conference doesn't even feel like the NBA at this point. Right. To me, the NBA is a Western Conference. But that's that's one way that, – that's kind of why I brought it up a little bit. It's, it's interesting. It never, ever happened. Uh, there was one, I think – I think there was one where um, Portland played Dallas and was down 3 nothing, and the series was tied 3-3, but then they lost. Tied back, forced, yeah. Forced the game 7, but lost. But yeah, that'll, that'll be something that is, I don't know, I haven't watched a ton of that in Milwaukee, Chicago, I went back and watched the last few games afterwards, um, yesterday, but I don't know, it's weird. I feel like Chicago, I, I tweeted this at the start of the playoffs and everyone called me an idiot and a moron, and I probably am, but I said that, uh, I wonder if, People will find out in the playoffs that Derek Rose might not be better than um Aaron Brooks right now at the point for Chicago. And then I guess Rose had like great games, one, two, and maybe even three, I'm not sure.
1: No, just one and two. He just, just
0: one and it, Yeah it slipped. I, I, yeah, and he kinda of, was he five for twenty or something the other night? And the night he, before. Uh,
1: yeah, he's had uh some turnover issues. I can't believe I'm saying this because if you had told me I was going to say this in December, 2013, I would have assumed that there was some sort of apocalypse and all the other coaches had died or something. But Jason Kidd's turned into a really good coach. We talked about this one of the last times you were on and about his, uh, his assistance and the great defense they played, but you know, they design good plays when they need them. His yeah. teams play super hard. He plays with energy. I think his competitiveness that first two months in Brooklyn, he seemed like a Derek Fisher mannequin. He just sit there, with that dumb look on his face. Now it's like the competitive Jason Kidd. You can see it. That whole team's in his personality. I think he's transformed MCW's career. I never thought MCW could play a game like he played in Game Five. He was the best player on both ends. I didn't even and, watch that game yet. So I'm behind. I'm going to go back and watch that. He, one. he was. It was everything you want. I mean, the one thing you could say about MCW is he de- he does have the speed of the game, right? Like he's. Moving at the right speed, it was just he can't shoot. He didn't have confidence. Like there was things going on, but the speed was there. And in that game, I felt like that was the first time. If I'm a Philly fan, I'm going, "Uh oh!" Like we we might have given away somebody who's who's who might be good here for this pick that we're not getting this year. And then if the Lakers spend money, maybe it's the 17th pick next year, and we gave away somebody who was just the best player in a playoff game. Um, It would make me nervous. But that, he's
0: a, I mean, he still has to develop a jump shot. I don't know that... I'm not sure exactly what happened in that game. I'm assuming he, he's a good defensive player, obviously. His defensive numbers have been
1: absurd. And well, one he, thing what they, they, they did was they were running high screens with... Basically, they, it was just pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll with them trying to get Miritich to switch on MCW so he could beat him off the dribble. And it worked. And, it worked, and yeah. I'm sure the Bulls will, will come up with some sort of adjustment, but... You know they they're long and they're a perimeter team and it's a weirdly bad matchup for what the Bulls are built.
0: Maybe um, maybe Thibodeau will just play Jimmy Butler forty eight minutes tonight instead of forty six. <laughs> maybe that'll work
1: out better. Well, you know that and that's part of the problem with the Bulls is that they're worn down. They, well, yeah. they're worn down, but also. It's Jimmy Butler's offense, but the Bulls don't realize that. They think it's Derrick Rose's offense, and 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 they rely on Marichich. But now Marichich is just hurt, and it almost seems like what they should do is just let Jimmy Butler kind of drive it home. But for whatever reason, they they especially the Rose shadow just hangs over everything, and they just seem like they're afraid. So I think
0: I think in that series, from what I gathered, just doing a little bit of the work that I did, it 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 feels like the back to backs in that series really favor. Milwaukee where there's only one day rest and if they can get a couple more days rest it, it looks like Rose's numbers are a lot better off a couple days rest versus one day rest so there's not much yeah. travel involved in that series not going very far at all um but I do feel like just having the one day and then there was the overtime game also and that's been a fun series that's been quietly fun people haven't really talked too much hasn't really got too much attention
1: um it's it's and- I think it's been the second best series I think I think Clip Spurs has obviously been the finals in round one and then uh, Bucks Bowl's second best. Then after that, really a lousy round one. I, yeah, Brooklyn
0: Atlanta is like 2 2. Yes. But is anyone even watching that series? That's well, the other they, thing that's kind of, that's a series that kind of shocked me a little bit, too. I've just been really amazed at the players, Bud trotting out there every night Um, in some ways. That team really lost their magic. I don't know what happened.
1: I'll tell you uh, what happened. They, the Horfords hurt and Millsaps hurt, and it changed their team. And mm. I think it was one of those house of cards situations that was fine as long as everyone was healthy. And now you can see both of those guys are hurt. Yeah, no and Tabo also. Yeah, no Tabo. And the Nets suck and should not be. This series should not be two, too. That team sucks. Yeah, uh, it's embarrassing. And I, and I really think now we're looking at Wiz Cavs. I think Wiz Cavs is going to happen. I, I I'm I hate to write off the Hawks after four games, but if those two guys are hurt. That's not you're not your injuries don't get better when you're playing every other game, mm-hmm. so I think the Wiz have a real chance to sneak in. I still I'm with you though. The Warriors to me are just so I'd just be shocked if they didn't win the title. I I, I don't I don't I just think they're the best all they're the best offense, they're the best defense. They have great coach. They have great home court. Everything, I haven't yeah. seen I haven't seen any other team that could convince me they could beat that Warriors team four times. I mean Cleveland.
0: Maybe, Cleveland could have Cleveland could have could have given them a really a really tough run and possibly even beat them with a healthy in Love. Health and love. Yeah. Now it's just a question of what they do, what type of adjustments they make. I'm not even sure what they're gonna do, I guess with well, Obviously it's gonna be a lot more Tristan Thompson, but their offense changes so much because Thompson is a guy who needs to be in the paint. He doesn't he doesn't create the driving lanes, he doesn't stretch the floor like 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 Love does. But it does give them some other advantage. I mean it, I don't want to write Cleveland off just as yet. But I felt like with a healthy love, that would have been a really good series. And I depending on what the price was, I may have been a Cleveland backer, but I'm not sure. I would be I think it would be a shame if I didn't mention this because I've been such a vocal opponent of Randy Whitman for like a number of years. But he might have made the best adjustment of any coach in the playoffs. I deserve to give him some props for that by putting Paul Pierce at the four. I agree. Uh, And he didn't do it all year because he smartly realized that Pierce couldn't take the banging of being a four all year. But that adjustment, that sneaky adjustment they've made, that is a very, very tough team
1: to beat. are, Are we sure that was the reason? Huh? Are we yeah. sure that was the reason? It was Randy Whitman thinking six months ahead, and I don't want to put the miles on Paul Pierce. Are we sure? Are we sure that, I, was, that was. I don't it?
0: know. I mean, he has to give. He has to get credit. He put the players out on the court. I mean, I, I give. I, I bash him every time he messes up, which is almost every other day. Uh, and yeah. now he's he's made this adjustment where the that offense is. That's a very good offense. I mean, yeah. so yeah, whether it's him or whether it's someone else or whether it was luck, whatever. I don't know. He, I, I, yeah, I, I I tend to think that. Whether he did it six months in advance, knowing that he couldn't do it all year, or, or, or that's up for debate. But the fact that he knew that it was something that he was going to go to in the playoffs, and they went to it, and maybe it just been, might have just have been this, a series thing, or he thought it was a good matchup for them in the series. But mm. so that, that's that's possible too. But it, it is a good adjustment, and it is a good. uh well, it worked out really well for them.
1: Anyone who watched basketball last year knows that Brooklyn took off when they started playing Pierce at the four. It's, well, it's, not, I think that's not, said,
0: far, that's not called too far to assume that Randy Whitman watches basketball.
1: Let's do it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, Wynhorst said, Ad uh, Winhorst on the podcast yesterday, he said, Pierce had only played 120 minutes total at the four. It's kind of insane. Uh, especially at this point in his career, especially with where basketball has gone, where if you can have somebody who can make threes at the four on one end and at least be passable on the other end defensively, you, that's kind of what you want at that position. Um I'm with you at the love injury really hurts the Cavs. I cannot write them off. Um if only because LeBron and Kyrie are still two of the best eight offensive players in the league and in a seven game series you just never know. But mm-hmm. I The Warriors to me it's it's look it looks great for them. I mean they're still they're still going to have to go through the Spurs assuming the Spurs get through the series and that's a lot of demons for Steve Kerr and just the way they're built and they're playing It's kind of like Darth Vader going against Luke, where you you know it's just it almost feels like that has to happen, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to win in San Antonio, but I think it looks great for them. Uh, It's barring injury, you never you never know with Bogut. Bogut could go down game one. That's it. You know. Remember
0: when Curry was? I don't want to, but remember when everyone? That's why he signed that contract, and everyone thought, "Oh, this is a fair contract with player with his with his injury history." And the ankle, yeah. and that's, I don't want to jinx the guy or whatever, but it just seemed like that was something that people just took as a given that he was a fragile player. Right, and he's he's been healthy ever you know for a couple of years now. So yeah, obviously an injury can. There's really only I think they could survive a, I think they could survive an injury to any. I don't guess probably not. So what team could survive an injury to one of their top three players? To do well? I guess that's the question. But the Spurs probably could not. So it was Kawhi, but they could probably. I mean they. They probably might they might be better off if, if Tony Parker got injured.
1: <laughs> oh, that, might man,
0: that, that might help that, them out a little bit.
1: That was um, the elephant in the room. I don't think any title team can survive a, a loss of one of their top two. I think you can lose the sure. third yeah, guy. Yeah, of course. That's like a given. That's yeah, I think you can guy, lose the third guy.
0: Yeah. Like I think I think the I think the Warriors could chug trug right I don't know, I don't even know if Clay Thompson is. I guess he's is their third, one of their top three players? He's not one of the top. I mean, they could they could just keep on chugging along without him. I'm pretty confident of that.
1: Um, yeah, I would say for how they're built, the guy that they would probably miss more than other, I mean, Curry, obviously, number one. But number two, I actually think it would be Bogut. Bogut would be tough. It would be tough, but there, there's, it would be tough
0: against a team like Houston because they have Dwight Howard. But I don't know that, I mean, they could, they could get some minutes out of Festus'
1: deal. Oh, it's, it's, oh, what are we doing? It's Draymond. Draymond's their second-best guy. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. their, that's their, irresp- well, that's that's their irreplaceable Thompson guy. Thompson would be yeah.
0: someone that Golden State could probably... That's, that's probably yeah. one of the few guys that they could lose that would... But if they lost Draymond, I think that they would be in a lot of trouble. I agree. Um, they would just help score teams, so I don't know. It's interesting.
1: I do think Bogut is the guy in that team that pushes them to another level because... He he he's he's just so smart defensively and he allows them flexibility against any kind of lineup, right? You take yeah. him out and now all of a sudden there's a scenario where you're in Houston for game four and Dwight Howard has twenty seven rebounds. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he 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 protects you from certain situations that can develop. And this is when our I yesterday were talking about margin of error. And one of the things I liked about the Cavs before Love Got Hurt was they had the ability to play so many interesting lineups. I really liked the lineup. I never was a fan of Love at the stretch four, but watching it in the Boston series, it started to make sense to me because they were figuring out how to just guys run into spots, launching threes, LeBron, everything running through LeBron. And now I don't think they can play Thompson and Mozgov at the same time. So that means LeBron has to play the four now pretty much exclusively that means we get more James Jones. We get more Sean Marion. We get more Mike Miller. Like These guys are all washed up. So I, 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 I think it really hurts them. Yeah, it'll it, well, Yeah, it obviously hurts. I mean,
0: it'll be interesting, though. I mean, they've, as much as it hurts them, they'll be able to coast. To, I mean, they'll be the team that gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't see how anyone yes. can. So, I mean, it, they might be able to figure it out by then. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure if there is a way to figure it out. But... I think LeBron's fourth makes the most sense, for sure. But then who do they who do they play, even? I don't even get who they... They don't really have... I mean, obviously, they're going to go with Tristan a little bit, but then they've just shoved in... They have to play James Jones, who's... I mean, can you imagine James Jones trying to guard someone on Golden State? Who, who could he guard? Harrison Barnes, maybe? They could put him on Harrison Barnes, and Harrison Barnes or Iguodala. Um,
1: I think their crunch time lineup is... It's Shumpert and Smith. It's Kyrie. It's LeBron, and it's either Mozgov or, or Thompson. Yeah, that and works. That, that's your lineup that you roll with. Unfortunately, you, you don't have a lot of other wrinkles other than variation of those six guys. Then now yeah, you're that, in, you know what I mean. You are bringing in Deladova and you are bringing in James Jones, and those guys just aren't that good.
0: Yeah, that works. That lineup works for sure, but it, and it works the crunch time lineup. But it's just throughout the game, there are going to be stretches where. You have a five-point lead now. You're losing by three. It's kind of like they're going to be experiencing the Clippers bench thing, um, where it's just going to be tough for them to maintain or cut into leads. I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of of of, uh, of the way. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan of the way um, the way teams have kind of figured things out along the fly and made these adjustments within the playoff. Yeah. And I don't, maybe they'll be able to overcome it. I don't know. It'll be interesting that series, whether it's a close series or not. Being LeBron in the finals with Cleveland, I think, will be exciting. And, yeah. Yeah, and it'll be a, a ratings bonanza for the NBA.
1: Cleveland um, Golden State's a huge win. Hey, quick question before we got to go, but one quick question, just on, <laughs> on an odds thing, since you are uh, the gambling guru of my life. Okay. Uh, the Clippers are 45 to 1 to win the title now. They're 45 to win the title now? Yeah, right now you can get 45 to 1 odds on the Clippers to win the title
0: where don't mention the site name but just some site
1: it's an online site that i'm looking at right now
0: yeah i don't know what the true odds of that are they have to think about they have to they're i think roughly four the true price would probably be i'm not in front of the probably like four and a half to one
1: to, to see, win the spurs to win the Clippers series hold on i can look that up for you uh
0: I think, like, the true price is probably, be, like, four and a half to one, I think, 430 for, plus 450, maybe five to one.
1: Uh, I, I bet it's a tiny bit. Yeah, you're right. It's plus 400.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's probably, like, and then the other side is, like, minus, like, 550 or something like that, the place you're at versus Spurs. So the wizard. My point is, like, the fair price, not, like, the actual price. Like, the, if you were to take the, the bigger, it's the juice in between the two and... And removed and just made like the even midway point. So yeah, about let's say so there's that, and then there's uh, they have to beat whoever. I mean, right, and then they have to beat Golden. So they're yeah, that's probably forty five to one if you multiply them all together. The issue is, could you get a better price just by betting them individually? You could probably get it, but you could bet them on the money line. But you'll get to a point where you can't make a big enough bet to get the amount down. So yeah, forty. That seems. I wouldn't bet it, but that seems about
1: not a terrible line.
0: This one might would entice
1: say. you. The Wizards are 40 to 1. To do what? To win the title.
0: That would entice me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that, no. I mean, I don't know. They what would what would they be against Golden against if they magically somehow made it to the final against Golden State. They well, would be but the, like but, but you know they'd be like the 15 to 1 dog. <laughs> it would be a 15 to 1 dog.
1: You think it would be that bad? I think they'd be like plus 700 or
0: something. No, there's no way. It would be like the biggest um, it would be the biggest one since since uh, since the Lakers played Detroit, and which, by the way, they lost. That was a big one. You made um, some money on that one. You did?
1: No, you did. I thought.
0: No, I didn't. I was a sucker. Oh this, no! This, yeah, I oh, a rare thinking,
1: failure story.
0: I have a lot of failure stories. only you know, either I probably had like forty, you know, forty, forty-three, forty-four percent, forty-five percent failure all the time. Um, that was the year where I, I. I I thought it was a joke. I thought there was no way the Lakers could lose, and then I, by Game Three, I started betting on Detroit in the game just because you could see how the level of athleticism was off the charts. The difference between that, the athletic ability of yes, you know, team playing Slava Medvedenko at the four and Luke Walton at the four versus like Ben Wallace, Rasheed. I stepped Wallace. It in was as well. A joke.
1: I yeah. stepped in as well. Rockets at twelve to one.
0: Eh. I think mean, eh. mean all those, all these, yeah, that's probably. I don't know. I think the Rockets are drawing dead in the next round.
1: I agree. Whoever, well, the, the, the reality is the best bet is the Warriors at plus 150. The, best bet, is, them.
0: Yeah, the, well, that's, the best bet is,
1: just, is, is probably
0: the best. If you like a team and you think they're a great team, just bet them in individual games all along the way. That's your best bet.
1: All right. Because you can you follow returnable. him. You can follow him. On, uh, it's Haralabob, at Haralabob, H-A-R-A-L-A-B-O-B. Uh, he tweets during games. He goes to games. He has a lot of thoughts. He is a very fun BS Report guest. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Thanks, Bill. Good All right, to take you. Take care. Uh-huh. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to remind you we have a new podcast that I'm hosting called Bill Don't Lie, NBA only, every Monday. It is not a BS report. You have to subscribe to this on iTunes or get it on ESPN.com's pod center. It's called Bill Don't Lie. NBA guests every week, NBA talk every Monday. Check it out, iTunes, please.